My name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Games Podcast, where we talk to the people who make the forum what it is about the things that matter to them. Today, we have with us, now, of course, is, is JPR. Uh, your last name is uh, Robert. It's like a French thing, right? It's Moroski. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's Roberto. Roberto. Oh, Roberto. You know what? When you say it like that, I just I don't think of the whole E A U X whatever thing. Uh, so, uh, John, and what's the P stand for? Because there's a J P R, right? Uh, Patrick. Yeah. So originally, when I joined, I joined with uh, Robert J P R B R D J P, which is the name that my university assigned to me when I started there. Mm-hmm. So I just used that. And then after I was on the board for like a year, I asked you to change it to my real name, John Roberto. Mm-hmm. And then a while later, I was looking for a job. And if you Googled John Roberto, which is the name of the guy that produced the Thin Red Line, <laughs> nice. by the first the first thing that came up was the quarter to three profile page. <laughs> and uh, my most recent post was in a thread about Britney Spears flashing her vagina. Nice. <laughs> so I asked you to change it <laughs> to something else. And I couldn't use John R. because of John R. Right, right. You wouldn't let me do just John. So I went with JPR, forgetting that there was a JMR. Uh, right, that's because there's also, we have a JD and a JM, so I'm constantly <laughs> confusing. Uh, now, I don't, I don't confuse your name. Like, when I see JPR, I totally know who it is because... You know what? I, I hope I'm not going to embarrass myself. I'm pretty sure it was you. But didn't we used to play Guild Wars? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of where I first, uh, like, internet met you, I think. We were both Guild Wars players. Uh, and I guess, uh, like, Guild Wars, I don't remember, like, having clans or anything. But we just would, were, would play Guild Wars, right? Yeah. Like, you, when it first came out and you were doing the Tom versus Bruce, like, you, me, and Bruce were grouped for a lot of that uh, but didn't make it. Uh, didn't make it into the article, right? And I didn't make it into the screenshots either. Like in in the screenshots in the magazine, my character was like just cut out of frame. You're like the fifth Beatle. <laughs> yeah. However, uh, you have forgotten about this, but I was in the game for the uh, Rise of Legends. Oh Tom no, no, I have Bruce. not forgotten about that because okay. that actually. I, th- included... I thought that was before before Guild Wars, but perhaps it not. might have been. It might have been. Uh. But that included uh, Unicorn McGriddle, who has since left us, unfortunately. I, I love Dan. Uh, he did that and was. Uh, I think Ben Sonus too, maybe. Yeah, like there were. That was a. That was great. I loved doing that with you guys. But yeah, by the way, that right, was that was embarrassing too. I don't know if you recall how that ended. But... You didn't. You do some like uh, I do recall it. <laughs> somebody was really doing silly, screwy things that made it seem like they had no idea what they were doing. What, that, yeah, that was, yeah, that was me. There was a there was a mechanic in the game that I didn't understand, or well, I wasn't aware of. Let's say where, you know, when you you could upgrade your you upgraded your cities that allowed you to attach <laughs> more things to it, and if you if you upgraded one to a higher level than your capital. It became your capital. That's right. I remember. And so I, I put all of my, like, you know, you were going to roll my team, and I retreated all of my defenses to my capital uh, and left my new capital completely undefended. And you, <laughs> you killed it in like, in like 10 seconds. And then I chatted like, 
Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> nice work. I you... bought uh, I bought a couple of copies of the magazine too to immortalize my idiocy. Awesome, awesome, good. You're 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 famous for uh, missteps in in Rise of Legends. Well done. That's right. Uh, so I also have to say, I think, John, you're kind of like me in that we chatted a little bit before we started recording here, and I realized that you seem to, I, I can't really identify if there's any given genre that you don't play. Uh, is there any type of game, and we'll go to, get into what you do play in a minute, but is there any type of game that you're not into? Like, I'm like that, but I can't abide sports games, mainly because I don't know anything about sports. Uh, where do you draw the line? <laughs> yeah, like I, I play most things pretty, pretty shallowly, I guess. Like I, you're a dilettante like me. <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't play racing games, um, unless you think Burnout Paradise counts, which you don't. Now, didn't you? I might be mis- mistaking you for someone else. Didn't you win a copy of Forza? In I I did I did. So and, you do uh, play racing games, John. I'm not. I just now busted you. <laughs> no, I, I sold it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Good. Uh, it uh, yeah. It was in one of the one of the podcast contest things. Right. One of the really early ones, like the fourth or fifth one or something. And you said. Uh, you know, in the email where I won, you said, uh, like, don't get used to it if you win again, but I haven't given away all my good, my good free games yet. So you gave me a copy of Forza 3 and, like, apologized that it didn't have the box. And that's a good game. And that's a, yeah, that's a good racing game. And you I, just so I, aren't into racing games that you just t- flipped it. No, nah, I, I tried to play it. I mean, I played it for a couple of hours, but it's just not, it's just not me. Like, I even, I put, I started a thread about getting, like, a wheel. Uh, like if there had been a like a three hundred dollar racing wheel for the Xbox, mm-hmm. I, I probably would have bought it and tried to play the game. But uh, I don't know. I wasn't sufficiently excited by the official Xbox racing wheel to force myself to play a game I don't like. Right now, now you say you're not into like what about things like Midnight Club LA? Like that, I think is like a. I think even if you don't like like racing games, Forza is all about improving your time on tracks but yeah. things like burnout that you mentioned uh are are much more about this sort of visceral experience of being in a car chase or something sure. like even that you're not into um like i i mostly played uh so burnout what what the one the one before paradise was was it actually called like takedown or was it burnout four or Whatever the one, sounds familiar. the one before that, like I had on the on the PS2, and uh, my friend Patrick and I used to play that all the time. Like, but I mean, co-op co-op doesn't count. Right. Um, and I I haven't played like I played the Need for Speed Underground two or something for a while, but uh, yeah, those just don't they don't motivate right. me very much. They're okay. And then sports games, I don't play real sports games either. Uh, Frank Austin roped me into starting to play Blood Bowl like a month ago. That's not a real sport. I don't know if you know that. They don't have that in the real world. Uh, I don't know. It's like British. (laughs) All those British orcs and elves and goblins. plays on a pitch, as I understand it. Uh, But yeah, so I actually... I don't know exactly how it happened, but I'm in 
like the European league now and like the US league. <laughs> I actually I was supposed to play my league game with Reldon tonight and I told him I had to do it tomorrow. So now okay, I don't know I don't really know how to talk sports, so I'm gonna try this. I'm just gonna float this, John. I don't know if this works, if I'm saying the right thing or not. So I'll just I'll just throw this out there. How's your bracket? Uh, I don't really know. And actually, I, right? I've i been doing very little talking about who I'm supposed to play when because I don't really understand what seating means. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, like where you sit. You seating. know, I don't. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> uh, but no, I don't I don't know anything about it. I mean, I'm no, I, I don't play sports games. But you have and, been roped into. Yeah, that's like a fantasy sport. Yeah. Blood Bowl, actually, people who. Uh, like I'm into strategy games and uh, folks like uh, like Troy Goodfellow, I think, um, and Rob Zachney and uh, some of those folks have been saying, you know, try Blood Bowl. And in my reservation isn't that it's a sports game. It's just that I've heard it has bad AI and it's only good for for multiplayer, which it sounds like that that's what you're what you're doing with. Uh, it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it's only good for multiplayer. Right. And it's. You know, it's a. I don't. I mean, you asked what I don't play. I don't play like legitimate war games. I never have. No one uh, does actually, John. That's that's kind of the, the just trick of war Bruce. games. Yeah, Bruce Garrick is supporting that industry single handedly. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, but I never, I never did that. But this, I mean, Blood Bowl for all of its like ostensible sports trappings is a. You know, I mean, it's a it's a turn based war game with yeah, zones, like a, of, zones of control right. and, you know, like a tactical it's it's a yeah. board game, if I'm not mistaken. It's like a tactical uh, combat game. in a yeah. way. Well, and actually, John, I don't I don't want to veer too much into sports talks because this <laughs> yeah. what I'm about to say is about this as far the, as I can This go. isn't the podcast for that. I don't this think. is not the sports podcast and I'm not the guy to be involved in that. But I've had folks explain to me. And I believe this. I mean, this makes sense to me that football is really just about controlling territory like like war uh, and that that's how you sort of a, a guy like me could approach football and, and get into it. But Do you yeah, mean I like I don't, like dwarven football. No, like real football, with actual <laughs> team dudes like the American Philadelphia football. Dolphins and the the right. Pittsburgh Eagles and stuff like when those guys play a real football Nets. game. The Jersey Mets, they're a famous team, right? Exactly. When they play a real football game, it's a struggle for territory. Uh, and you know what? That's what that's what RTSs are too. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, before we get into games too much, let, let me let me back up a, a minute. Uh, I, I want to talk a bit about you. I actually, in addition to playing Guild Wars with you a fair bit, uh, we actually met because you were doing what I want to describe as a nerd version of Easy Rider. With your buddy Patrick, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> weren't, weren't you guys doing like just a, a driving tour around, like you and Patrick visiting different cities? Yeah, yeah, we, um, yeah, so we, you know, we met in college and uh, have more in common than any two people reasonably should, I guess. And so we decided that we would definitely be able to tolerate each other for like 10 days and that we were getting old and responsible enough that it was probably going to be our last chance to do anything like that. So I had, uh, I left my daughter with my parents and her mom, uh, and we left for 10 days. So we live in, I live in Austin and we went from Austin to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and then north to Colorado, and then to Utah, and north through Utah to 
Salt Lake City and then across via Reno to um, to San Francisco and then stayed with another friend from college and he took us on a day-long motorcycle tour down the PCH and around the hills and then we drove from there to LA for a shoot club mm-hmm. and uh, then to the Grand Canyon <laughs> and uh, and back home. So we ended up, uh, we drove close to like 4,000 miles in I think nine days and two of those days weren't driving days. So on days that we drove, we averaged something ridiculous like 850 miles a day or something. What did you, uh, so I presume you're still friends, so I presume your instinct was right that uh, he's somebody you could do a 10-day road oh, yeah. trip with. Uh, what would you do in the car? How do you how do you burn time that much time in a car? Uh, we have very very similar taste in music, so the music was never an issue. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that you know we've been talking on a pretty close to daily basis for fourteen years, we still have a lot to talk about. And uh, what was the coolest thing, other than Shoot Club, of course, that you saw <laughs> on this 10-day road trip? It sounds like this, we, uh, driving motorcycles around, was, you said the Bay nah, we, we we took a, yeah, right. So we, we were in my car the for most of the trip, but we rented, uh, so our friend owned a couple of motorcycles, but uh, we decided we would rather rent them than borrow his and possibly wreck one. So, uh, yeah, we rented motorcycles there. Now, I want to ask a dumb question. How do you know how to drive a motorcycle? Uh, in college, the so our friend Matt that lives in San Francisco, he he had a motorcycle. He brought a motorcycle to college, I guess, sophomore year, and it was kind enough to let all of his friends that had never touched a motorcycle before in their life learn to ride his motorcycle. And that that's it's like riding a bike, literally. I guess like that stays with you. You could when you went to the Bay Area, you were able to rent a um, motorcycle and get right up on. Did did it no. have training wheels? <laughs> no, like I had, I bought one in college, and then uh-huh. um, got rid of it after a little while. Then got another one. And Patrick um, had sort of ridden other people's in college, and then he bought one a few years ago uh, for here, and he still rides that regularly. I had to get rid of mine. Now, I don't. I don't know if you know this, John, but I hear that chicks dig motorcycles. Uh, I don't know if that's the know. case. <laughs> you got rid of yours, so we'll never know now. I guess that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, the coolest thing we saw was um, Southern Utah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it. I, I'm, uh, when you say that, John, I'm thinking. Let's see, desert and Mormons. Um, yeah, there were some Mormons and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of desert, but it, it looks, I mean, it looks, it literally looks like Mars. It's, um, it's, it's amazing looking. It's amazing. It looks literally like another planet. Uh, the rock formations and the, it's, it's amazing. You know, you, I, I was being kind of glib when I said desert and Mormons, but I absolutely that really does sound cool because I love uh, like distinct types of of desert. I had a girlfriend who lived in um, was it Tucson. It was one of the Arizona cities. But I remember going out with her to visit her folks once and just how beautiful and kind of like green the desert was out there. I mean, it wasn't like a normal desert. But then in contrast, we've got this fantastic area in Southern California called Joshua Tree State Park. 
which has, you know, you mentioned the rock formations. It's got those funky looking Joshua trees, um, like different deserts. Like there's no such thing as just like one generic boring desert. Deserts to me are, are beautiful and there are many different kinds. So absolutely. When you say that, even though I was being glib, it does sound like it must have been pretty awesome. Sure. And I, and I know what you mean, but like describing it as a desert, it just does it a disservice. Like it, it looks more otherworldly than that. Like, a, you know, I mean, a desert... You can picture a desert like being, you know, quietly, like majestically beautiful and intimidating or whatever. But uh, I don't know. Utah was was incredible. That's great. I re- I've re- I've done some uh, cross country trips before, and uh, like I remember being struck by the stretches through, I guess, New Mexico. Now, never Utah that I recall. Uh, so yeah, I can totally understand that. Yeah, and there's a lot of variety in what it looks like too, because it. I mean, in the north. It's, you know, like snow-capped mountain kind of thing. But mm-hmm. uh, And then in the extreme south is where they filmed all the old westerns, like Arches National Park or whatever. All of those sort of finger-like rock formations from that people picture from John Wayne movies and stuff. Like in Red Dead Redemption. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know a lot of old movies, so that's that's sort of my uh, my touchstone for those old that painted desert look from. from oh yeah, no, I haven't I haven't seen them. <laughs> don't don't get me wrong. Uh, it still you know conjures an image. Now uh, living in Austin, tell me about Austin. What is Austin like? It's it's some little backwater Texas city, right? That's correct. The backwater <laughs> capital of Texas. Now, I've, I'm from, I don't know if you know this about me, I was born in Dallas, didn't live there very long. We, we got oh, out pretty no, quickly. No, I didn't. I yeah, didn't I'm, I'm a native Texan. Don't Please don't tell anyone that. I don't want that to get out. Uh, but I, I know that Austin is kind of like, like when you come to Austin, you're kind of leaving Texas. Like, doesn't Austin have its own flavor that is not typically that sort of Texas stereotype? Like, uh, I, I hear good things about Austin is sort of what I'm getting at. Uh, yeah. Are they true? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, like politically, Austin is is certainly different from most of the rest of the state. Is Austin blue? Yeah. Like, it, awesome. Wow. Good for you guys. Okay. Uh, I say good for you guys. I don't know. Maybe. Are you red? Uh, <laughs> I'm a libertarian. Mm, you're okay. That's I'm. I'm gonna put you down here. Let me write put you down. In red question mark. Okay. Good. Right. <laughs> right. So sorry for the derail. So so uh, yeah. yeah so, no, that's that's okay. But yeah. So uh, I mean, politically, it's different. Um, you know, the University of Texas is here, so there are tens of thousands of young people that live in the middle of the city because of that. Uh, it is not flat. Unlike, you know, most of the other cities here, like they're, we're right on the eastern edge of the Texas hill country. So it's, you know, it's pretty, uh, there's lots of outdoor activities, sports and, or not sports, what what am I talking about? But, you know, like, I mean, a lot of biking and all that stuff and the big, uh, like the big movement here is keep Austin weird. There are bumper stickers that you see everywhere and T-shirts that you see everywhere about trying to limit uh, proliferation of national chains, pushing out local business and stuff like that. Like it's, you know, there's a big sort of progressive kind of granola sort of movement here. It's not, Yeah, I'm, I'm getting like an image of like Portland, but in Texas. Yeah. Uh, do you support keeping Austin weird? Are you on board with that? 
Um, I don't mind part of Austin being weird, but I pretty much want to live in the homogenous part. <laughs> I think you are red. I think you're as long as. <laughs> yeah. Now it depends you on how weird you think Chipotle is. I don't even know what Chipotle is, by the way. I know it's something they have at Mexican restaurants. Is it a type of cactus? <laughs> no, I mean the restaurant Chipotle. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, it's a burrito place. Do you not know what Chipotle is? I really don't. I, you know, I, I see it written. I, I, I'm not a huge Mexican food fan, but I see it as part of like Mexican fare. It, I'm, I'm, pixeling, I'm picturing something like a cilantro. Uh, yeah, a lot of cilantro. A lot of cilantro. In Chipotle? Is Chipotle... Chip, okay, actually... I mean, Chipotle is a... It's a... Like a... I, I mean, it's a pepper, but I think it's just like a, a roasted jalapeno or something. Like, it's... It has something to do with the way the pepper is prepared that makes it a Chipotle, but... Now, living in Austin, I'm guessing, if you like Mexican food, is there is there awesome cuisine in Austin? It's not that big a food city, really... Um, you know, I mean, there's a big like food truck thing that's been going on the last couple of years, but that's happening everywhere. Uh, Houston is a much bigger food city than Austin is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you go to school there, by the way? Is that where you were in college? No, I went to school in Nashville. Nashville, Tennessee? Yeah. What? Why? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's, you know, that's where I went to school, like Vanderbilt in Nashville. Oh, Vanderbilt. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of different. Uh, like when you say you not go to like school, Central Tennessee State or anything. Right, right. That's the, <laughs> you sort of buried the lead there when you said you went to school in, in Tennessee. So Vanderbilt. Uh, did you study? Because I know you worked for a while, and uh, you said something about coding. So does that mean you were a programmer? Is that what you studied yeah. in college? Yeah, I got a computer science degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you also mentioned that you are kind of not interested in continuing to do that. What is wrong with the kind of work you, you were doing? Tedious, boring, you don't care about it. Like what, what, Uh, um, you know, honestly, I think it mostly has to do with like self-confidence. Uh, I kind (laughs) of, like, I, I left college for a year Mm-hmm. Um, in my senior year and, uh, before doing that, I kind of developed this mental block about doing what I decided to do. And, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it can be really pleasurable and like creative and, and satisfying working out a solution to a problem and implementing that solution. But, uh, after doing it for a few years, like I, I don't think that's what I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. I have to wonder how um, wise it is to expect people at the age of of being in college to make decisions about what they're going to be doing for the rest of their lives. Because I think of what I studied in college, and I I'm doing nothing with that. Uh, that. And I just wonder how many people <laughs> go to college and they just get on a path and uh, keep following it. Uh, I don't know. I can just understand that can be a tough haul. So, yeah, I mean, it. You know, I mean, if you just go and get sort of like a liberal arts education with a major in something, you know, that serves a purpose. Um, but of course, you know, I have an engineering degree, which is mm. a much more focused kind of thing that mm. is 
you know, you, you can't do the job without it, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a much more focused, focused right. kind of thing. Right? Uh, you mentioned taking a year off. What, what did you do for a year? Anything fun or just, just chill and not go to school for a year? Basically that I, okay. I moved to DC and worked Washington, DC. Wow. What did you do in, in Washington, DC? <laughs> I tempt, okay. uh, did some, did some filing, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. Did you like being in DC? Um, yeah, I like DC. It was, I mean, I didn't live in DC. I lived in Northern Virginia. Cause doesn't know it. Yeah. Don't people like not really live in DC. It's like all those like areas around there. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to live. I mean, if you live in DC, you either, you know, have a million dollar house or like right. are in fear of your life all the time. <laughs> um, but it, uh, yeah, like I lived in Northern Virginia with a friend from college and some other people and, um, had various temp jobs that were fine. Mm-hmm. A lot of good food in DC. Movies, kind of thing. Right. Oh, and then also um, the. Uh, oh, what am I saying? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, DC was good. Right. DC was good. But then I, I became ready to go back to school. I went back to school. Oh, yeah. Good. Uh, so I want to talk about. Uh, you said you have a seven-year-old daughter. Yep. Uh, she does not have a DS because you're a terribly cruel, horrible father. <laughs> Every right. seven-year-old girl, girl, I would think, would want a, a DS. Uh, but you, you mentioned that you did build for her her own computer. I did. What does she do on this computer? She, by the way, is she on quarter to three? What's her name on the <laughs> It's... Uh... Oh man, Frank Austin is no, no, no. It's <laughs> Kevin. Uh, Kevin, who was the? There's a Kevin. I, I don't remember his name. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, not on quarter to three. Not a big. Uh, she's a big Club Penguin fan. Ah. Now, what is Club Penguin? Club Penguin is like, isn't it kind of like a Facebook for kids, like MMO kind of thingy? Yeah, I mean, it's like a you know, it's a browser based. Mm, you have a, like a penguin avatar, and you. Yeah, I mean, it's like a Flash-based thing. You walk around and you get assignments and then you unlock outfits for your penguin. And like quests, like you're doing like quests. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so it's an MMO. It is. It's pretty lightweight, but uh, yeah, technically it's an MMO. So now, she now, does that and then she's got some other games. Like Now I'm curious about Club Penguin and I'll tell you in a minute why I'm asking. Like, like do you, when you're in Club Penguin, are you like chatting with other people or does it have these like filters to keep kids from being contacted? Like when you, when you create the account, you have the option to set it up different ways. So they have servers where there are fixed conversation options. So any, any conversing you do is via drop down menu. Okay. Um, I did not, I did not make her join that kind of server. She's on, She's on a more open one than that. Right. Uh, so, but, so you, you know, it's it's as limited as you want it to be. Right. Uh, so I don't know if you, have you heard of a, a movie called Four Lions? It's this sort of comedy about suicide bombers. Uh, yeah, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. OK, well, there's a there's a bit in it where one of the guys is on. Uh, I think they call it Club Puffin. Uh, that I think is a Club <laughs> Penguin reference, but I'm not sure. So th- that's what that made me think of. I think you can be pretty sure. Right. Uh, so you mentioned, uh, so is there anything that you guys play together? You, by the way, if I may ask, what is your uh, daughter's first name? Uh, well, her first name is Isabel, but uh, she goes by her middle name, which is Crenshaw. Hmm. 
those are both interesting. Crenshaw is actually, you know, I'm, that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, we, she, so her mom and I had a mutual acquaintance who, um, it's kind of like a, kind of like a scumbag, kind of shady, shady character. He was, uh, he was like a drug dealer in high school and uh, he got kicked out of high school and then he ended up going to uh, another high school and finishing. And then his mom worked at Vanderbilt and he ended up being able to go to Vanderbilt. I mean, he was a smart guy, but he was extremely, extremely shady mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, brashly and, and proudly so. Um, but his name is James Crenshaw. <laughs> and when we were, you know, when her mom and I were talking about what to name the baby, Jokingly, uh, I said we could call him Crenshaw, uh, and we both thought that was hilarious. So then as a joke, for like two months, whenever we <laughs> talked about the baby, we called it Crenshaw. <laughs> and then we kind of decided that we really were going to name him Crenshaw. And then we found out it was a girl. And then we decided to go ahead and name her Crenshaw anyway. <laughs> And you know what? That's that's a terrible story for how you named your daughter. <laughs> but I I applaud that that choice of name. Have you? Yeah, have so you... she's she's named after a drug dealer. And then Isabel, <laughs> we wanted um, we wanted a a more normal but still interesting name that we both liked. We both liked Isabel. We picked that. After we were settled on the name, we found out that Isabella had been the number one name for girls that year and the ah, year before, which is yeah. a big bummer. Nice. Well, well done. <laughs> Uh, I I don't I don't think I know any Isabellas, but I I think of uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, which is really weird and obscure, and I I think most people wouldn't like it. But in a movie called The Fountain, um, uh, Rachel, uh, oh I can't. I I've never heard you mention The Fountain before, Tom. Oh, I like a Darren Aronofsky, a really weird uh, movie. And uh, why can't I think of the actress's last name? Rachel Weiss. Weiss. Yeah, Weiss. I like the way you put that spin on it much better. Uh, but her <laughs> character's name is Izzy or Isabel, or she's Queen Isabel in one of the, the timelines. Uh, so that's what I think of that name. Yeah, so, yeah actually, her, her maternal grandmother calls her Izzy C. <laughs> that's really cute. That almost sounds like a rap artist. Yeah. <laughs> that could be her rap name. Uh all right, so is there anything that the two of you play together? Um, we play some XBLA stuff. Like she and then she played the Lego Indiana Jones games, mm-hmm. which uh by the way, I can't stand and I think they're awful. <gasps> Why? Oh my god, you can't say that. <laughs> Everybody's supposed to love those. Yeah, I know. That is I, it just because they're like all like easygoing busy work or why are they awful? No, it's more just but they're I mean they're incredibly frustrating. It's not mm. Just I I really don't feel like the I mean the controls are just so loose and like the relationship between where your character is on the screen and where it is in the world is so loose that you like fall off of stuff and run into things. It's really hard to jump on and off of things. Like I find the game so much more frustrating than she does. She Crenshaw actually likes it. Yeah, she likes it. She'll sit down and play it by herself for a lot. Like I, uh, we, you know, we were trading the controller back and forth for a while because um, I didn't want her to know that we could both play at the same time. Because <laughs> she'd always make me do that. <laughs> you just wanted to get out of having to play, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, you know, I was interested to play the games too because people, you know, like them so much and everything. I'd never played one, 
And um, but just in case, you know, we traded the controller back and forth. Right. And uh, you know, she she liked it, and then um, uh, you know, but she she just had so much more patience for the game than I did. Right. Like I would, you know, yell, say like, "Oh, you play Crenshaw. I can't do this anymore." <laughs> Uh, <laughs> now, b- before John, before you give up on Lego games forever, because I could certainly understand that frustration. I think the last one, the Harry Potter one, they actually, you know, they've been getting better as they go. And I, I think the Harry Potter one, uh, even if you don't have any interest in the subject matter, like I've fiddled around with it and I have no idea what's going on or who is who or any of that stuff. Uh, but I think they've finally gotten a nice level of sort of polish and playability, and it works good in co-op. And uh, I really liked what I saw of the Harry Potter one. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, of course, you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit. But, like, as much as people fawned over those Lego games when they first came out, um, the idea of grown-ups who play a lot of video games – playing those and thinking that they're great for any reason other than like the license. That's exactly the deal though. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and like in the Lego one, I mean, you know, it sort of follows, it follows what's going on more or less, but, um, at times the tie to the license is a little tenuous (laughs) in in terms of what you're actually doing. Right. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, I mean, we play that, we play, um, what is that, uh, uh, we played Castle Crashers. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, hey, that's got really blood like in that. it. That's violent. <laughs> yeah. When she was like, you know, five and a half, we were beheading people together. But it's such cute violence, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's okay. She, uh, anyway, you know, there, there are a lot of XBLA games that we've played off and on. I tried to get her to play Costume Quest, but she didn't like that too much. Oh, no. I haven't, why? I haven't tried stacking yet. I don't know what she would think of that Wait a minute, I, why what i hear it's a little slow but why didn't costume quest work that that everybody should love that especially seven-year-old girls yeah i i don't know i really thought she would that right. you can yeah i mean i the like pink unicorn rainbow thing and all that like I, th- I thought she'd like it more than she did but maybe if she gave it a little more of a chance all right yeah i, I think that that's a little that's a little weird you, you yeah. should... oh she does like trials hd ah she yeah <laughs> She's gonna want to get it. You're gonna make her want to get a motorcycle, John. <laughs> yeah, that I don't know. I don't know what it is with kids, but uh, I mean, you you played that, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the single most brutally frustrating game created, you know, in the last five years. God, it is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and she and the neighbor kids will just sit there and like trade the controller back and forth, like. When when the kid next door would come in, he'd say, like, I want to play the motorcycle game. I want to play the motorcycle game. <laughs> and then they'd sit there and just, like, wreck over and over and over and over and over again. Now, uh, before we transition to a, a big game that I know you want to talk about, uh, you are in a thread about something called I don't know, Space Chem, like <laughs> C-H-E-M. Like, I've seen that thread title, and you mentioned it earlier. What... Space, what is space chem? It, it sounds like here. It sounds like uh, a little indie shooter where you're shooting uh, the elements on the periodic table. Like you're shooting oxygen, and then you're shooting carbon, and then down here is uh, neon, and oh, it's hydrogen. Is am I right? Is space chem like that? Other than the spaceship, 
Uh, yeah, that's essentially right. Come on, you're kidding. It really has something like, to do with like the periodic table of the elements? You got like three out of four of your jokes are actually true. Um, so I heard about it from Rock, Paper, Shotgun. They wrote about it um, for the first time, I don't know, a month, month and a half ago or something. And, you know, they, they really liked it. And it um, it looked interesting. It's a puzzle game, basically. Uh, it... Let's see. Since I asked to talk about it, I should be more prepared to try to explain what it is. Um, when you say a puzzle game, and I'm thinking periodic table of the elements, like, are you sliding tiles around? I'm, uh, I'm, yeah, so that's puzzle game isn't quite the right the right word to describe it. It's uh, it's a it's a very <laughs> cerebral sort of thing. They, you have. Uh, you're controlling these factories basically. So the game screen is the inside of a factory. It's blank and uh, the screen is divided into four areas. So there are two input areas on the left, like the two left quadrants of the screen and the two output areas on the right, the two quadrants on the right. Mm -hmm. And um, you get a, an atom or a molecule uh, that's given to you or a, a set of atoms or molecules that appear in the inputs. And then what you're supposed to do is convert them to other atoms and molecules and then output them. Okay. So what you're doing is um, you have a set of, of tools that you can use. So you have a tool that will break bonds or, or make new bonds between atoms. <laughs> this is totally chemistry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's you know the chemistry is just the just the framework, obviously. Right, right. But it, yeah. So you have a you have these uh, these bonders that you work. So so the atoms are little circles that are connected by lines. Each you know it's a tile tile based thing. So each atom fits in one tile, and then the way it works is you have two loops that you can create: a blue loop and a red loop, and each one has what for some reason the creator calls a Waldo that moves around the loop. So basically, that is just the sort of point of action. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you turn on the simulation, the Waldo moves around the circle and you can have it perform actions. So like in the simplest case, if you got a hydrogen atom input and all you're supposed to do is output the same hydrogen atom, then you would draw a, a like rectangle across the top of the, the screen that passes through the place that the hydrogen comes in and then goes over to the output place. <laughs> and and you, so you, you issue commands along the line. So as the Waldo travels across the line, anytime it passes over a command, it executes the command. So you place a like input one command. And then when the Waldo passes over that, it makes the hydrogen atom appear. And then when the Waldo gets the hydrogen atom, you put a pickup command there. It picks it up, and then as it follows around the circle, it it you know you put a drop and then like an output. Uh, it's you really have to look at it to <laughs> understand say, John, anything about what it is. Don't take this personally, John, but I just want to say you suck at selling space chem. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to explain the mechanics of it. But the real the real thing though, it is the it it makes you feel smarter and dumber than any game I've ever played. Like when you get this, this challenge that seems absolutely impossible and you, uh, you create something and it works, you are so, you know, so filled with sense of like personal triumph 
And then uh, there's a, a, a facility in the game to output your solution to YouTube automatically. <laughs> so then you go and you click and you look at the YouTube and you see just infinitely more elegant solutions, like hundreds and hundreds of more elegant solutions to the problem. But the way that they the way that they really hook you. So it starts out really simple and then it gets considerably more complicated as you go Uh including you know it, that's so that's like one factory that i was describing and mm-hmm. as you go through the game you get to a point where you might have to use five or six factories to solve a specific problem so they give you this set of really complicated atoms you have to or molecules and you have to change them to completely different things and you decide totally how you do it you can either use one factory if it's possible to do that or you can use up to six so you decide what the what the flow is like how, what your intermediate steps along the way are mm-hmm. and uh Anyway, it's it's great. It's great. And, and it's they, a PC uh, game, right? Yeah, it's on uh, it's on Steam now. Uh, it's Space Chem, S P A C E C H E M. It's made by this guy named Zach, whose company is called Zachtronics Industries. Uh, and I would highly recommend looking at the Rock Paper Shotgun article about it. Now. I, I want to say something, and I want you to feel free to be judgmental of what I'm about to say, because I kind of feel awful saying it. But you describe this, and I think, yeah, that kind of sounds cool. I don't think I would ever play something like, like this on a PC. If this were on, for instance, the iPhone, I would be like, yeah, I'll try that for 99 cents. Like I, and, and maybe I need, I need to look a little more, more closely yeah, you'd have at to, it. Yeah, you'd have to see it. It would be – it requires really prolonged, intense concentration. And I don't. I don't think I can. I don't know that I can do it's, that. I, I, I absolutely would not think that it's a game for you at all. Okay. Um. I mean, I I don't know you that well, but it doesn't seem like your kind of thing at all. Right. So far, every programmer that I've shown it to. That's exactly what I was wondering about. Go has ahead. has bought it. Right. Literally. Right. It ta- it sounds like it taps into the part of your brain that made yeah. you go into programming. Yeah. Yeah. If you are a programmer at heart, uh, I defy you to not be fascinated by the way the game works and so also you know as you for each solution that you have it rates you on how efficient your solution is Mm -hmm. the number of controls you used and like the number of um cycles it took to get the right output Mm -hmm. and it keeps track as you improve you know it keeps track of like your best efficiency level so far See, I can, I can uh, if you want to go back and, and redo, yeah. you know, that one. I, I and then, can of totally course, you can, you can go to YouTube and, like, see what kind of things other people are doing. Right. And it's so – there's just so much emergence yeah, uh, in, in the way it works. Uh, and as they, they add, you know, additional game mechanics, too, as you progress through the game. But, but you know, when, by the time you're halfway through the game, a single level of it can literally take – two or three hours of like sitting there and looking at it to do it. You know, John, you, you talk about like when you mentioned that thing about it rating your efficiency, uh, th- that can be a real hook for me. This idea of playing something, working out a solution and then optimizing that solution. And it sure. even applies to what I was saying before about driving games, like somebody who plays Forza, that that's what appeals to them. This idea of, okay, I've got this car, this track, yeah, sure. Now I'm going to optimize how well I do. Uh, a game that I that you were just now trying, uh, which I'd recommended on quarter to three earlier, called Creeper World, takes a similar approach as to some of its later missions. It scores you based on optimizing how well you you drive back those those fluid dynamics. So I think yeah. that's a great hook. And it, it I was gonna I guess it's kind of like high scores in a way. Um, you know, Bullet Storm. 
you might eat well i don't i don't know that i want to include bullet storm in that <laughs> but uh yeah so i can see the appeal of yeah sure i mean the thing about uh, I mean, we were talking about trials, like the way trials shows yeah. you how well your, you know, your friend list is doing it. You know, sure. That's, that's compelling, but that, I mean, some games uh, that is enough, you know, like, <laughs> like the, if the game is lightweight enough, then simply the fact that other people do it better than you can be enough to make you go back and do it again. <laughs> but uh space game is not like that. It is, it's a commitment. And the, what part of what makes it so hard is that when you're trying to work out the, you know, you're trying to create this, you start out with a blank screen and you go from blank screen to solution. And you have to part of the reason it wouldn't work on the iPhone, I think, is because you really have to hold a whole lot of that solution in your head at the same time in order to work out how to do it. And uh, it's not the kind of thing that you can pick up and work on for 15 minutes and then come back and work on for five minutes. Like it's you start from scratch every time. Uh, How much better at Space Kim than you is Crenshaw? (laughs) <laughs> she i tried to show it to uh not to her <laughs> but i was showing like my uh she's it's her spring break uh so my uh she went to my grandparents or her grandparents house my parents house for uh a few days and so my mom was here and i tried to show it to her <laughs> and crenshaw was in here looking and she's like oh dad not this again <laughs> Because she has heard me talking to my brother about it, who he's a he's a programmer, and I showed it to Patrick, and he you know he bought it, I think, and my brother-in-law, I've talked to him about it, and uh, anyway. Why are you showing your mom Space Kim? Like, do you do you share games with your mom? Uh, she uh, she doesn't <laughs> she she doesn't play games at all. Like, never in a million years would she consider even doing. Like, she won't even she won't even pick up like rock band on easy you know she won't she won't do anything but uh she is good about sort of indulging me and uh, rolling her eyes <laughs> at the stuff that i enjoy you know uh we both kind of <laughs> take pledge like you were talking about the fountain briefly earlier like it's a, a fun time when me and my mom will sit down and i tell her about the end of requiem for a dream and like how much i like the movie you know and then she's like oh john <laughs> So, so, so you, Space Chem is the video game equivalent of Requiem for a Dream, is what okay. I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so, actually, I, I didn't mean to skip past it, but do you do you know The Fountain? You know that movie? Uh, I haven't seen it. Okay, I've seen all of his other movies, though. Uh, it's I think probably his most challenging, and it's the one that I think the, would have the smallest group of people who actually dig it. Uh, so, there's that caveat for you. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm not sure why. Um, why I never got around to seeing that, but, uh, but I never did. Well, put that in your Netflix queue. You do have Netflix, right? Uh, I do, but I have the streaming only and I don't think it's up there. You know, I have not, I have fricking four movies sitting here from Netflix that I have had sitting here for God, at least four months. I should just yeah. do the freaking streaming only thing as well. Yeah, I, I'm just I, I actually, to this thing like I, I might want to watch a Blu-ray someday. Uh, yeah, like I, I only have streaming only in spirit. Literally, like I have the normal thing with it. I have the two out plan. Mm-hmm. But I've had like Foot Fist Way and The Quiet American for two and a half years. 
I could see Quiet American clogging it up, but come on, Foot Fist Way? That's so exciting. That, you knock that out in 90 minutes, it moves quickly. Danny McBride being Danny McBride. Yeah, no, it's not. It's I actually uh, I have watched Foot Fist Way, and I watched about half of the Quiet American, but that's not why. It's just I don't know. I have I need to mail those back so I can change my plan. <laughs> but I've literally I've had those for over two years. Wow, that's quite an accomplishment. Don't don't they finally come after you? No. Aren't they like like? Excuse me, sir. You have our movies in there. Hello. They're, they they just let you sit on it for two. You know, I think I've done, I think I've done eight months with a movie, and I finally sent it back without even watching it. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, at least I at least I don't pay the like dollar fifty a month premium for Blu-ray. I would like to say that I don't either, but I can't say that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So before we talk about uh, Company of Heroes, which I'm looking forward to talking about. Because I haven't played this, and I, I well, I'll tell you about why I want to. Well, I'll hold that thought. But before we get into that, how many songs have you downloaded in Rock Band? Um, I think about three hundred. And uh, are you like super good at it, like Sluggo, or do you just plunk away at it like me? What's your skill level in Rock Band? I'm in between those two. <laughs> do you play anything on Expert? Uh, yeah, I, I, I play everything on expert. Um, Whoa. So, well, that's logo territory. Yeah. Like I, I actually, when, when guitar hero three came out, um, they had, they were one of the first games to do that viral achievement thing where oh, you, yeah, yeah. Like you if you beat, beat the beat somebody something. that beat the developer right. or something, something. So, um, Sluggo had offered to play, uh, to play Guitar Hero with people and throw matches in order to let them get that achievement. Cheating, right? And uh, you know he he was on, and I wanted to I wanted to play it. So there's a you know that song. Um, it's in it's in Rock Band also. Uh, threes and sevens by. Um, uh, uh, do I, don't tell me don't tell me. Uh, 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 Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah 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 the Queens of the Stone Age song. See Queens I'm I'm hip I'm very hip about music just so you know. Yeah, so I uh, I actually beat Sluggo fair and square at threes and sevens. Because oh, like, that's not an easy song, if I'm not mistaken. No, I at the time um, I think I was like number four on the leaderboard or something for that. So uh, you earned that achievement fair and square then. Yeah. Even though Sluggo was willing to to violate the spirit of the achievement. <laughs> yeah, it. he he said, "So what? You want me to let you in or something or something?" And I said, "No, I want to. I want to." you know play it for real very nice uh, and we played we played a few songs um and I, I think i beat him on that and i think i beat him there was a game there was a song by the helicopters uh i'm in the band that was in the like extra songs oh, on one Guitar of those Hero terrible 3. blue dot songs right uh yeah except that song is phenomenal and uh, i think i, I think i might have beat him on that too but but no he's he's much better than i am uh and he takes the whole thing a lot more seriously than i do uh i kind of when we so Guitar Hero two or Guitar Hero one came out on the PS two and uh, I got it for my birthday and you know the day that I got it I didn't want to start on easy because that's stupid so you know, I started on medium I think mm-hmm. and uh, you know my friend was there and we were we were playing and we kind of played for a little while and then we both <laughs> we and so I I also I have a little bit of a background in music like I took piano lessons when I was younger and I took guitar lessons when I was younger but I don't play any instrument seriously 
uh, and I'm not very good at either one. But we both sort of said to each other after we'd played five or six songs that the fact that they are leaving notes out of you know the track was confusing and so i said you know i really think this would be easier on hard and he said yeah i think so too so we switched it to hard and both of our scores improved very nice uh so uh, like 30 minutes or so into guitar hero one i was playing on hard and uh you know i don't know for whatever reason i just was pretty good at the guitar thing now how do you play Um, it these days do you just like every now and then sit down and do a few songs do you routinely have folks over do you do you practice like how how do you yeah, no, I don't. I don't have any friends. Uh, I know Patrick is a friend of yours. <laughs> you guys went through ten days of driving around. You still have he at least one friend. He is so sick of having me play guitar or play <laughs> rock band. Uh, he's been having to deal with that for years, and we were like, we were really at, at skill level parity for a long time, and it was really fun. We both had a lot of fun. You know, you mm-hmm. never knew who was going to win on any given song, mm-hmm. and then for some reason, I just started to improve at a much faster rate than him and uh he would happily admit that i'm now light years better at the game than he is <laughs> and so it's less fun for him but now I, I almost never play the guitar anymore every once in a while i'll put in like blue sky or um uh aqualung like i love, really like playing the solo in aqualung or, or some other things but mostly i play the drums now and um yeah i play those on expert also uh, though I'm nowhere near as good at, as I am at the guitar. Do you have those ion drums, that ion drum kit? <laughs> no, I don't. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? Playing? You're, you're using the regular default crappy drums? No. Um, back when Rock Band 2 came out, I, uh, I bought a Roland electronic drum kit mm. and soldered my own <laughs> adapter to be able to connect the MIDI output of those drums uh, to be able to connect. And so I had to, I had to take apart my, my drum controller <laughs> and solder some connections into that uh, to make a, a MIDI adapter for the controller. Like um, uh, Reldon that I was talking about earlier, like he, he's a real drummer and he has a real drum set. And I like consulted with him a little bit about what to buy. So I bought a drum set on, on Craigslist for about $600. Um, and I played that for a while. And then, uh, I bought a much better drum set, uh, for, more than three times as much <laughs> as the first drum set. Uh, also, also on Craigslist from some poor kid, like a 19 year old kid that drove 400 miles to give it to me because he had to pay his rent the next day. Oh my god, John! Uh, I felt so bad for him, but uh, really good deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I have uh, I have pretty much the best sort of uh, rock band setup you could have. Now it's so, and I've poured literally, literally thousands and thousands of dollars into that. Like I've got the stupid Mustang Pro guitar. I've got the Squire. I've got like six of the regular controllers. Uh, yeah, I. If I have three hundred songs, then I've spent what is that like six hundred dollars, something like that on that. Like it's ridiculous, ridiculous. In fact, I bought the Xbox for Rock Band. I wasn't even gonna. When I bought an Xbox, like I'm not really much of a console gamer, 
And when I bought the Xbox, it was fully admitting that it was a rock band machine. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm still curious, though, John. Like, how do you play? Like, do you play regularly? Is it something you oh, yeah. whip out on <laughs> weekends? Or Never answer that question. Um, you know, I kind of go in waves. Um, okay. Like, I will. I always forget how fun it is when I don't play for a little while. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'll stay away for a couple of months and then maybe a new song comes out that interests me or I'm just like, Hey, I haven't played rock band in a while and then I'll play, you know, so I play a couple times a day or I mean, not a couple times a day, like every, every couple of days for a while. I just usually typically just by myself, like, um, cause as I said, nobody that I know is willing to play with me anymore. Most of the time. Well, now wait a minute. So you live with Crenshaw. I would think that I, I have seen parents play rock band with their, their daughters uh, I would think that would be something that Crenshaw would love. Is she yeah, not like? I, I think that she has so much disdain for anything that her dad likes <laughs> that she refuses to even consider doing it. Like the next door neighbor wanted to play with me every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, <laughs> the she's kid next door. Her the six year old next door. It's she's seven years old, and it sounds like she's already in surly teenager mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now she she is aware that her dad is. A nerd that likes nerdy things that she <laughs> likes to pretend not to enjoy. <laughs> She's got uh, important Zach and Cody to watch, you know? I don't even know what that is. Zach and Cody? Consider yourself lucky. Okay. Uh, now, I want to ask you, uh, okay, something terrible has happened, and now every <laughs> single song is going to be erased from rock band except, except for one. Yeah, except for one. What is that one song going to be? Um, is it Aqualung? No, because um, that's just for the guitar solo. Or wait, is it? Yeah, it's mostly just for the guitar solo. Okay. The, uh, so we're losing Aqualung. The yeah, <laughs> yeah, the sort of jangly guitar part in there. I'm not very good at the jangly quick strum things. I know, and, I know what uh, you mean. Yep. And the high tempo drum part for that part is is a little too fast for me to enjoy playing. Also, okay. um, really. It would probably be. Uh, these are not going to be popular popular selections. Now, now, it sounds like already you've used a pronoun that implies plurality. Only one song, John. All of them but one are going to be wiped off the face of the earth. Well, I would flip a coin to okay. decide between uh, what between. So there's, I think it's even a rock band network song that's going to be one of the things I pick. What? <laughs> Oh my God, uh, what have you done? Okay. It's, it's, um, oh, what's the song even called? It's uh, kind of funny, like when you love a song and you're not sure of the name of it. I mean, there's plenty of people, like like if you were to ask me, like some of my favorite songs, I know who does the song, but a lot of times, I, yeah. like Radiohead, I don't know the name of any Radiohead songs. <laughs> no, it's it's actually, it's a song that I had never listened to in real life until right. I heard it. I heard it in Rock Band for the first time, but it's by a band called Deer and the Headlights, mm-hmm. uh, and it's called Sweet Time or Sweet Something. Uh, or maybe uh, lately I've really been enjoying, um, uh, you know, the the Mother Hips that did that uh, one of the extra songs in the first rock band. They, I'm, uh, I'm confused. I'm thinking of the the flaming lips. That's not the same. <laughs> yeah, no, that's rock band. <laughs> anyway, there's a song called "White Falcon Fuzz" by uh, by the Mother Hips. I like that a lot too. So it would be between those two, right? 
as for what I've been enjoying the most lately, yeah, I'd go with those. Okay, so I'm flipping a coin. Heads, deer in the headlights. Uh, tails, mother hips. It's heads. The only song that, that was going to be kept, if you were in charge when this catastrophe occurs, is deer in the headlights, sweet time, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I'm, made... I'm okay with that. That's those are those are both songs that are like I don't I don't sing. Well, I. I I, I almost never sing in those games. I have no idea what uh, what the vocals are like for those two songs. But uh, as far as guitar, drums, and bass, like they're all all three instruments are a lot of fun in both of those. Right. So you didn't? Do you have the? You must have Rock Band Three with keyboards, right? Like, do you do that stuff? Yeah, I actually have an expensive like Roland MIDI keyboard also. <laughs> and are you are you also playing expert on keyboard? Like your your skills translate to keyboards just as well? Um, I can play expert. Oh yeah, so I didn't even talk about pro mode. Like I, uh, I, I can't play pro keys very well, mm-hmm. and I haven't really tried since the week it came out. Um, I plan to, but uh, I haven't put much time into that. But expert, like the normal keyboard game, yeah, I can play that fine. Mm-hmm. I I want to say I hate 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 the keyboards for one reason, and that is because when folks come over, somebody always wants to play the freaking keyboards. Which by necessity limits me down from the what? Oh, because the all instruments like. mode thing or whatever. Oh well, no, that's what you mean. Yeah, it's yeah. because yeah, because you can play the bass or the uh, you can use the keyboards to to mimic the bass or the guitar sure, track. Right. But yeah. if you have somebody who, who picks up the keyboards and then wants to do something that has a keyboard track, suddenly the catalog is down to like, what <laughs> right. is it, so 60, like 60 or 70 songs, songs or something. Yeah, I hate that. Oh, it's so freaking. And they're all terrible. You know what? They kind of are, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was also like the the biggest dissenter in the Rock Band three thread about. Um, I just I hate most of the music choices in that game. Like there there are a few there are a few songs in there that I really like and a lot of them that are okay. But I was really dissatisfied with the track selection. Does Sweet Time have keyboards? No. <laughs> well, it's a Rock Band Network track. I'm pretty sure, so they can't do that anyway. So wait a minute, Rock Band Network meaning it's just some dudes put their band song up. They they got someone to code the the whatever yeah. the tracks and they put their song up. And yeah, these aren't free, right? No, uh, they're probably like a dollar. So nobody. Uh, during, during, the, during the headlights has two songs and one of them's one of them was DLC and one of them was RBN. I, I don't remember which is which. Okay. So basically, this song that you've now picked in favor of all the songs <laughs> that we all know and love. Right. I don't know what it's called and it. it's been played by like two hundred people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> nice work. Well done. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, let's uh, let's transition to uh, to territory that I'm more familiar with. Uh, you, uh, you you play your share of rock band, Tom. Huh? You know what I do, but I haven't in a while. I'm having a bunch of folks over with their wives and girlfriends tomorrow night for a co-ed like rock band session. I'm really psyched about this because I I haven't played it in a while, and I like uh like when when you mentioned shoot club when dudes come over for shoot club. I like playing like real games. You know, I, I have maintained, and I don't mean this to denigrate it, but I maintain that Rock Band isn't a real game. Uh, it's this great shared experience for how to listen to, to music. Now, sure. somebody yeah, who no, plays I, it, I don't play it like a game at all. That was when, when Sluggo came on and talked about it. Like that, my, my approach and experience to the game is so radically different from his like well doesn't it though because you you know when we talk about things like like space chem and and times in forza 3 and the optimization and creeper world like do you do you play a song and then play it again to try to get better and beat your score like do you have that never optimization really 
Never. You, you like don't care about ah oh, rats. I only got ninety eight percent. I'm gonna try again and get ninety nine percent. Okay, never, never is a lie, but extremely rarely, um, very, very rarely. Like I don't, I, I don't really do any like achievement chasing or score chasing in those games okay. anymore. And I, I did a bit, you know, a year or two ago, uh, earlier, earlier on. Um, but I mean, the fact is, like, I will. You know, if I'm playing guitar, like I gold star almost every song I play the first time I see it, and I 100% like a quarter of the songs. I mean, until you get into the really hard stuff, mm-hmm. like it, um, you know, I I, I do really well, uh, and it, I just don't care. Like I, I play the game for fun, right. um, just from the experience of the music. I mean, that's why the bad tracks in my opinion like ruin the game for me because that's really Ah. what i'm in it it for you don't look at them as like this challenge you have to overcome it's just this annoying obstacle that that you want no part of right i'm i'm happy enough with like having plateaued where i am for the most part right fair enough all right okay so i now uh forget rock band for a second and fake games let's talk about actual real bona fide hardcore video games Specifically, real-time strategy games. Uh, you're a dilettante like me, so you're also in RTSs. Uh, you mentioned, like when we talked about doing a podcast, your choice of game to talk about was Company of Heroes, which, if I'm not mistaken, it's like old and outdated. It's one of those like Me Too, World War II games. Uh, that is correct. Yeah, why would you want to talk about that? Uh. Well, <laughs> um, by the way, aren't I awesome as like a devil's advocate? Didn't didn't that yeah didn't that make you, you totally doubt? sold? You totally sold that. <laughs> you can see that I was at one time an actor, right? Like I made you think that I hated Company of Heroes. <laughs> yeah. Um, why would I want to talk about Company of Heroes? It's uh, you know for me, um, and you know a lot of this obviously has to do with sort of my. Uh, you know my history and uh, and and present of what I think about RTS games, but for me, uh, Company of Heroes is the certainly the best fit for the way I like to play those games, uh, and uh, does the best job of giving me what I want out of an RTS game. But it also uh, you know, it, in the way, you know, genres split into subgenres, uh, company of heroes, like solidified what a subgenre of the RTS genre is. Mm-hmm. Um, you how, know, would you, like, how would like, you describe its subgenre? As <laughs> the, the relic RTS, I guess. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, so the, I played the first Dawn of War RTS, and it had a lot of the same, you know, control point capture, reduction of focus on bases, mm-hmm. squad based with reinforcements and things like that. Um, you know, but Company of Heroes was just the the Mark II of of all of that stuff. As well as uh, you know, introducing the the cover system and occupying buildings and destructibility, and it looked incredible, and the sound is great, and it uh, you know, 
Now, from a higher level, other than specifically Company of Heroes, you mentioned that it's good at giving you what you want from an RTS. I'm curious, how do you distill that down? What would you say that you want from an RTS? Yeah. Um, well, uh, it, so it, I think a lot of it comes down to the, the squad system in that it makes it adds a level of forgiveness or like it's a buffer on your attention. Um, if you have a squad, if you have a unit in, you know, Starcraft mm -hmm. that wanders off somewhere and somebody starts attacking it, um, it goes down really quickly. And if you have like a four or five man squad, you might lose, three or four members of the squad before you can get in and do something about it. Uh, but, and, and you know, there is a cost to get the squad back up to full strength, mm -hmm. but you don't lose the whole unit. Right. Um, so it makes, it's a little more forgiving in that respect. Uh, there are the, so the way the maps in that game work, they're really, uh, they're really meaningful. There's there's a ton of detail and uh, like it's it's just a, if you're playing on one map versus another map in Company of Heroes, it is a completely and totally different game. Uh, it was my single least favorite thing about Rise of Legends was how <laughs> meaningless the maps in that game are. They were big empty voids with cities on them. That's kind of yeah. true. Like, there's no counterpart to... I vividly recall that... I don't know the name of the map, but I know that one church. You know, there's one of the maps that has a big <laughs> church, and there's a graveyard beside it. And yeah. good Lord, I remember that That 1v1? Bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I remember that bit of terrain. That just sticks out in my head as, as vividly as any level in a shooter or, you know, like the last level of Painkiller, for instance. That area around that church where I've had battles in Company of Heroes there... And and I can't think of other – I'm trying to think, John. I, I might say I can't think of any other RTS that has really given me a sense of, of, of memorable, specific, memorable specific places like that. Right. Right. Like that – and it, that's such a huge part of, of what I love about the game. Um, the – I mean the art and stuff in the maps is great. And, you know, the maps, they're all – custom they have custom assets and in, in the maps you know they look great and there's mm -hmm. stuff but the the maps are dynamic first of all because the the cover is destructible you know uh the buildings are destructible uh you create new cover by if you fire an artillery barrage then all of a sudden you have a bunch of yellow cover mm -hmm. uh and um it uh I don't know. Like the, the maps were were just incredible. Like it to totally altered everything. You could drive tanks through hedgerows, and <laughs> and some of the tanks had heavy crush, and you set mines and choke points. Like so many choke points, and uh, they had city maps and wider open maps and maps with both. And just compared to to other RTS games I've played, which now, I haven't played very many RTS games seriously at all. Uh, I played Warcraft 2 a lot uh, when StarCraft came out. StarCraft is probably the only other game that I've ever been 
as interested in as I was Company of Heroes. Like, I was interested enough in Company of Heroes to watch replays and listen to commentaries and look up strategies. There was a podcast, like a weekly hour and a half long podcast about Company of Heroes that I listened to religiously. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and um, I was never very good at it. Like it didn't uh, didn't improve my play that much, but uh, I was just really impressed with uh, with the way everything worked together. So then, okay, yeah. So the I was talking about what I like about it. The maps are great. Mm-hmm. The way the the maps, the terrain work is great. Unit selection, um, relatively you know controlled. Like there aren't there aren't that many choices. Uh, the tech trees are nonlinear, uh, depending on who you're playing. The the commander point system um, was unique to me at the time. I think. Um, well, I think I, Rise I, of Legends didn't have that, did it, or did it? Did you have global powers in that game? You did, yes. Like Rise of Legends, pretty much everything that any other RTS did well, Rise of Legends had some equivalent to. Rise of Legends didn't have this idea of you pick a class. Like it had you picked the different heroes, but it also had these weird global contests that you would mount against the other guy. Like the first to develop so many troops, the first to, uh, I guess, accumulate so much, so many resources would unlock a global power. Some kind of bonus? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like you could summon yeah, an army, you could summon a healing cloud. Like they, they had these global things. Uh, yeah. But I, 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 I enjoyed that game, but it kind of came and went. Fair enough. Like, but, but you're right. That, that commander tree, though, if I'm not mistaken, so you pick one of three like commander categories right and then there's a tree of abilities and and units and whatnot that you unlock as you're earning points by fighting battles right right yeah so there are three classes per side and then each class has two tracks uh inside oh that's right yeah 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 um, were they mutually exclusive, or you could work your way down either one? Well, you know, you could work you could work your way down, okay. but of course, you know, the ones at the bottom were the were the best. So like it was wanted, better to sort of optimize, not better. Yeah, you want to do a yeah. Depth, you, if you wanted that really cool to toy, you dive vertically into one of the the branches, right? Right, uh, right. and the you know the the classes, the class things. But so, uh, what was that? Um, what act of war? Did uh, Act of War had a similar thing, right? Like I, I played that for like four hours. <laughs> Holy cow! I know, I know you were War. a big fan of it, though. Yeah, I don't remember if it had like a tree like that. Like I don't, I don't doubt it, but I don't remember that. What, yeah. what that know, reminds me of CNC Generals had that. Well, what that reminds me of, John, is Age of Mythology, like the god choices, and you pick your you pick your race, and then you're picking the minor gods as you age up. Um, it's a little different, but I love this idea of there are all these gameplay mechanics, and you're not going to get all of them, but you have to make tough choices about which ones you want. And, yeah. and of course, Company of Heroes did a fantastic job with that, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, and like I know this is heresy, but I never played, uh, never played any of the Age of games. Mm, yeah, you, do, you don't want to go around telling that to people if you want to keep your RTS cred. Uh, yeah, no, I don't. I mean, that's part of what I was trying to say earlier is I don't, I don't, I don't have any RTS cred. Like I, I never really played Rise of Nations. Like I mm-hmm. played it a little bit and decided it wasn't for me. And never played the Age of games. Didn't buy StarCraft two. Intensely enough. disliked Dawn of War two. 
intensely disliked Dawn of War 2. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's funny that you say that. I don't. I love Dawn of War 2, but one of the things that I'm finding, uh, they just released an add-on that added the Imperial Guard. Yeah, I know. Uh, and and, and I, I, I read your review today uh, of Retribution. But but I don't I don't know like how much people know about like the Warhammer universe. But the the Imperial Guard dudes are they're just like vanilla dudes. And and I'm I'm loving playing the Imperial Guard. And I think it's because I kind of miss Company of Heroes because because there's this sense that that Relic just kind of put the basic Company of Heroes gameplay with the understandable. Like, like, they don't have so many wacky alien things, and there's no, like, Tyranid spores or Chaos sure. Marine summoning. Uh, and I'm kind of digging the Imperial Guard thinking, wow, I really miss Company of Heroes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, Dawn of War is so unforgiving. Um, like, somebody, somebody started a thread uh, a few weeks ago that it was, Company of Heroes was too fast for me. Would I like Dawn of War? Yep. And, um... I think Dawn of War is so much harder than sure. Company of Heroes is. Uh, you, you, you know, on the, on the face of it, like you're dealing with fewer units. It seems like it should be easier to manage, uh, but way more unforgiving, um, faster paced, like less sort of area to hide. Um, well, you know, you mentioned uh, when we talk about sub-genres of RTSs, and you're absolutely right about that, that there are some. And there is this sense that, you know, Relic has their own sub-genre, starting with the cool stuff that they did in the first Dawn of War. Their sub-genre has, to me, increasingly gotten more action-y and and arcade-y. I don't mean to say that in a a negative way, but it's increasingly put an emphasis on this sort of skill and learning stuff that the game doesn't tell you, you know, figuring out on your own. And a classic example of this, not just the speed of the games, but in Company of Heroes, you could look on a unit and get a little numerical rating for how that unit's weapons were against, I think it was like infantry, soft vehicles, armor vehicles. And that's an important bit of information that you want to know to to sort of play the game. And it's accessible. It's real easy to see the icon for dudes or jeeps or tanks. But there's nothing like that in Dawn of War 2, where the game does nothing to tell you whether a plasma bolter or a I don't even know what the names of the stuff are. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, they they say like pretty good against vehicles, pretty good against heavy infantry. But it's like, you know, when I play All right. Yeah, as as I think you can assume that people who play computer games are okay with numbers. Like like if I recall in Company of Heroes it was always between like a 0 and a, a 1 and a Nine, I, I think. Yeah. Uh, like, or I think you could have a zero. But like, like numbers shouldn't be scary. And if you need to streamline the number, make it accessible, that's fine. But give me some information. And in Dawn of War 2, they're just like, you know what? You play the game, you figure it out on your own, and we're not going to tell you that stuff. Right. You uh, can at least like use the, the pain chart from the hospital, like the frowny face to the smiley face. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but they, they also I, I want to throw this at you too and see if you agree with me. Uh, when I hear you talking about like what you look for in an RTS, I think oh, across all of the subgenres, there's this split between RTSs that try to appeal to skill, and yeah. the far end of that spectrum is, is StarCraft II as an eSport. And what what the other end of that spectrum is is something that I realize I'm in increasingly personally in favor of i mean i like all kinds of rts's but my own personal choice is for rts's that appeal to a sense of spectacle making cool stuff happen like i make cool (laughs) stuff happen 
And and there you can have spectacle and skill based games, and you can have skill in the spectacle based games. But I think of Company of Heroes as as one of the purest spectacle based games in that. I think everybody can appreciate the the awesomeness of a battle in World War Two. Yeah, uh, like I, I can understand why you uh, you know. I mean, I know you're not saying like there's no skill involved in being good at Company of Heroes, uh, but you know what I a lot of the reason I like it is because it is um, you know it it allows me to indulge to a certain degree my sort of baby crybaby tendencies about about the like you know i play the british most of the time so i can like hunker down and artillery people from the other side of the map <laughs> um and uh you know it, it is possible but to the game's credit i liked the game so much that uh you know i allowed it to convince me to not play like that uh there when i was playing it a lot i you know, tried, um, you know, tried to sort of play it on its own terms a little more so than, uh, than, than I would have ordinarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just really satisfying. But yeah, the, the, the first time I played the game, it, it, when it was in beta, um, I loaded it up. So it, it, I don't know if you remember, they, they released, you know, I, I was a big fan of the first Dawn of War game. I played that quite a bit. And then, um, they released a trailer for uh, Company of Heroes at least a year or so before it came out. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, from the from the cinematic camera, and it showed a, a a gunfight going on with like the camera inside windows of buildings, like looking over people's shoulders, firing down into like a courtyard around a fountain, and grenades being thrown in, and sides of buildings blowing up, and then this terrifying rumble, and then a tank bursts through a building collapses behind it it fires around into the building the building explodes and collapses and bodies fall out of the window and it was it was such an amazing video and you know it it was like in engine real-time strategy game company of heroes you know coming next year and uh, I was so, so excited for the game. And then when the open beta or whatever started, or maybe I even stooped to paying File Planet $4 to play it. Um, and, you know, you, you get into the menu screen and there's that bombastic, like, brass music, the, like, stirring martial anthem with all the horns is... Mm-hmm. Great, great. And I get in the game and don't know what I'm doing, you know. I it's all, all it is is like a skirmish or like a, a multiplayer multiplayer beta demo thing. And so, you know, I join a game that's like <laughs> noobs only. <laughs> uh and uh I ended up with the um Calliope Sherman as one of the one of the things that I bought right the rockets game, on top that which thing. right yeah so it's the tank that launches the rocket barrage from the top and the first time I fired that in the game the first time I saw that shoot off and land and explode you know a, a building and people flying and little plus five experience and a great graphic of the the ground blowing up when uh, when artillery shells hit like it's such an impactful 
gorgeous game and uh i was worried when i played it last night that it was gonna have aged badly but still great it really looks good have you played it you know in the last i haven't year? seen it in a while and and i love you know talking about it really does have me jonesing for it even more than having played the imperial guard in dawn of war 2 uh but what i seem to recall is a I, I had struggled in the last couple of years with the huge, huge hassle of getting it patched up uh, and yeah, dealing with <laughs> add-ons. Like, did you have have you had any problems there? Like, have you just had an, a copy well, installed all along? What? No, I've, I got it on Steam. So, like, I, oh, I bought, Steam. You know I what? bought yeah. the original one boxed, right? And then I bought Opposing Fronts and Tales of Valor on Steam. So, what it does, you just activate your key. Yeah, and you know since that they're was... all expand alone kind of things, it downloads the entire game no matter which one you install. Right. And Steam just auto patches. You can play all of them and it works. That's good to easy. know. I, although I'm recalling now, John, part of my problem is uh, in terms of having amongst the problems I had is that Relic's online service at one point invalidated several of my retail keys. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I just had, and I, they didn't have like a working customer support address. So I just had a yeah. horrible experience trying to get it up and running, but, but yeah, you're right. I guess steam, uh, is a great end run around that. How, how did your, uh, how did your games go the other night? You were playing multiplayer with a friend? Oh, or? just so embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> cause you suck now. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I hadn't played in a long time and he, he, his computers screwed up. So he ended up having to like. We got we got a few minutes into a game and then it was like you know you know player two is uh, his settings are too high and he's like oh right <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know I was loath to tell him that 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 I was getting that message but anyway, he quit and then turned everything down anyway we we had some technical issues but um really fun like we played uh rails and metal was always our so we played 2v2 it's us just against computers because we hadn't played in a long time Mm -hmm. and uh when we played the first time we played against two two hard computers i think um which i think is the level that we used to be able to sort of comfortably or not comfortably you know we win nine times out of ten but it was close Mm -hmm. sometimes you know the uh and then when we quit and reloaded, we were like, two, two normal computers this time? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> uh, and were you doing your typical British thing of, of turtling? Um, yeah, I did. Uh, we really only played one whole game. Uh, so uh, I, I would have gone back and played the, the Nazis. Uh, not, the, not the Panzer Elite, but the standard Wehrmacht, I guess, was what the side was. Um, Although there I played the like defensive doctrine also, which is the one that builds the 88s, you know, so I've oh, got the 88s. A, yeah, yeah. You uh, know, I also like you mentioned the 88s. I love how and I think this is distinct to, to relics games, but I love this idea that you're starting with infantry and then at one point somebody does the tech investment where instead of building more infantry, they transition to armor and how right. everything changes at that point. Like, right. I love that, and there's some of that in Dawn of War, not as strongly, but I love that moment in uh, in Company of Heroes. That, oh, crap, now tanks are <laughs> yeah, I know, the with the first, I mean, even if it's just like an armored car or something, right. <laughs> it's still like, oh. 
or or even better when you're on the the other side of the equation where you're the first guy to get the armor out and you know the other guy isn't ready right, it's like um, oh no flamethrowers yeah, <laughs> yeah bring it yeah uh, go ahead and uh, warm up my tank for me see if i care yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that that reminds me of one other thing about <laughs> the game that um that i forgot to mention earlier is that the you know when you had the machine gun squads and upgraded upgraded units that when you kill those squads, they drop their weapons. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's uh, right. Which you don't, or I anyway, don't see that in too many other games. And so, you know, if you, if somebody locks down a choke point with a machine gun squad and they're guarded by, you know, an engineer squad behind them or something, and you manage to do yourself proud and, you know, flank and throw a grenade the right way. And you, you know, you get suppressed, but you, you get around, you, you take them out, they drop their machine gun and then you pick up their machine gun and then you have a free machine gun squad. I forgot about that. Yeah. That is awesome. Uh, you know, and you can capture, um, like mortars, you can capture tank guns and mortars and you could get when, when people get upgraded with the light machine guns, the squad carries around. And then later on, in the in the expansion, you know, the British guys get the or in the the Panzerfausts like rocket launcher things. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all of that stuff gets dropped. You can pick it up. Um, makes a big difference. And then even what reminded me was the 88s. Like if you build an 88, and then the playing against the airborne was the worst. If the Allied goes airborne, they can drop paratroopers. As That's one right, of their, and that suddenly breaks the whole way that maps work. Yeah. Right, and so if you have a yeah, they just have to have sight i guess mm-hmm. um and so if you have if you build an 88 which is it's a big uh, you know non-movable cannon emplacement that uh is super powerful against armor uh if it fires at infantry it suppresses the infantry um when it when it hits near them and even uh it'll shoot down planes too if that's the the other thing about airborne is if you have an 88 and airborne calls in like a strafing run the 88 can actually shoot down the plane that you never see that's right. up above the plane of the game. And, uh, and they've one wasted time, their points. Yeah. Right. Not, not only that, but the plane will crash on the map. <laughs> one time I was playing uh, one of those, you know, like, let's go with stupid, like, choke point maps where there's basically just one big choke point in the middle. And I had, uh, I had built two 88s there defending that. He called in like a bombing run on where I was, and it was coming in right at like the axis of my uh, <laughs> of where my 88 was pointed. The 88 fires, hits the plane. I cheer. Plane crashes, lands on the ground right in front of all of my defenses, and then the burning wreckage of the plane slides through my defenses, blows up a bunker, a tank, kills like six guys, and blows up an 88. Where the 88 that shot it down, the plane crashed into the 88 and blew it up. See, now that's exactly the thing that makes me love Company of Heroes that a game like StarCraft will never do. Right. Because if you want your game to be like an eSport and to be based totally on like skill, like that kind of – and I'm going to use emergent for the second time in this podcast because <laughs> I haven't used it yet. You're the only one who's used that term. But right. that kind of emergent spectacle, uh, these, these ruthlessly skill-based games have to sort of call that out. Uh, and I just, I just love that Company of Heroes has no compunction. You know, you might have been the better player and have had that 88 perfectly positioned and been holding that choke point. But the, the crazy physics of a crashing airplane basically flipped the game on you. I yeah. love that it's willing to do that. Yeah, you, it, it was possible to control 
how the planes flew across the screen. So yeah, you, it, you, it, it was kind of possible to make it more likely for that to happen. Right. But it was still a big piece of, of bad luck. But, right. Uh, anyway, what I was going to say, though, the airborne can drop behind the 88. You can actually capture the 88. Um, you right. just it, it just takes like two seconds. They shoot the guy off the 88 if you can get up next well, to that's, him. Well, that's that whole, you know, there's this great system of just like like trumps and counter trumps, you know, just a, yep. stealth, a stealth sniper. Just kill the crew on the 88. Just that kind of thing. I love, too, right. almost as not quite as impactful as, as armor, but, you know, the way snipers were modeled in that game. Yeah. Uh, good Lord. That, somebody who's really good with sniping is is that can just kill the game. Just like shut it down yeah. early on. Yeah. And then actually that reminds me with uh, with snipers like a, you know, the motorcycle is the, the anti sniper yep. vehicle that the motorcycle or the jeep but what i was going to say is uh retreating which i didn't mention earlier ah yeah yeah uh the ability to retreat is uh, so intrinsic to the way the systems in that game work uh and uh yeah anyway it bears it bears mentioning <laughs> well because yeah you're you're right it's that whole thing of the cost of rebuilding a unit versus reinforcing it and you want to keep it alive and now Surely they had, yeah, they had experience per unit, right? Like the oh, squads yeah, would have experience, were, so that's another yeah, reason they, you they want They had veteran, veteran status, various upgrades, like yeah. armor upgrades, damage upgrades. And wasn't one, one of the German factions was like, you, it, it was much more based on, like, could you buy veteran levels? Or, or I just remember that it tied into different factions in different ways. Yeah, that well. was the, the Panzer Elite, the way they worked was, um, so the, the other, the other armies when they got a level they just went from like level one to level two but with the panzer elite you earned like a point and then you could apply it either to offense or defense right on a, on a right. per unit basis a little rpg kind of deal yeah right so you could make a you know like an impossible to destroy tank or oh god make, yes <laughs> or you could make a sniper that you know can blow up a jeep in one shot things like that now the panzer elite where they added in uh not Tales was, of Valor. Opposing Forces? Yeah, that was Opposing Forces. Tales of Valor just added a bunch of weird, weird stuff. It added, like, different game modes. And, and see, that's what you say, weird stuff, but I, I seem to recall it had some really cool, like, almost like a Dota kind of gameplay. A Dota's Defense of the Ancients. Yeah. Uh, a mod that has since evolved into games like League of Legends. But didn't sure. Tales of Valor, it had a mode like that. I think it had, like, a co-op horde mode, kind of, didn't it? Um, yeah, it, it honestly... I, I never tried any of that stuff. Okay. Like I, um, I, I ended up buying Tales of Valor on, you know, some Steam Christmas sale for four dollars or something. Uh, but yeah, it as far as multiplayer, it, it did add the ability to, um, customize your army in some way. Like it, it allowed you to, if based on performance in the other modes, you like. It added a persistent RPG thing to your account so that you could substitute. That's right. You know, a, yeah, a, a better kind of armored car for the armored car. You know, like it drops mines or something. Like yeah, that's right. I remember that. And like uh, an amphibious armored car. I, I remember that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I never messed with that too much. Um, you know, it's funny, I, John. You can see in Tales of Valor, like Relic eventually did this last stand mode, which is a horde mode for just right. their hero units in, in Dawn of, of War Two. And I think Tales of Valor was where they were laying the groundwork to try that kind of thing. Similarly, yeah. they attempted a uh, 
Company of Heroes Online, which had right. a lot more of this like unlockable abilities and units. Stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it seems like they were flirting with that a little bit in Tales of Valor as well. Yeah. And by the way, I said I hated Dawn of War 2, but I do own all three games. Aha, <laughs> so. uh-huh, well, that's your, the industry needs more people like you who hate RTSs then. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I also hate all MMOs, and you convinced me to buy all of those most and of the And you're time. playing Rift, I understand. Well, I bought Rift. You'll be playing Rift, you'll see. You'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, so, so just for folks listening, if you get Tales of Valor, do you pretty much have everything you need? Like, is that all the factions? Um, you know, I don't know how that works. Okay. Um, was Tales of I think maybe Tales of Valor was an expansion and not an expand alone. Like opposing forces? Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, I don't opposing know. fronts. Opposing fronts was an expand alone. Like you buy that and you get the British and the Panzer Elite. Okay. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know how Tales of Valor works. Did you like the campaigns? Were you, are you much of a like single player RTS campaigny kind of dude? Um, you know, they were, they were all right. It, it did some things that, um, a lot of those campaigns don't like there were uh, things that were persistent across multiple levels. Like you, you would, one of your missions would be, you know, take this hill and then it's hard fought, you know, you destroy all of their cover and burn all of the trees and knock down all the houses and then in a last ditch scramble you know you blow up their last guy on the hill mm-hmm. and then up on the screen it pops you know the mission complete and you hit continue and then it loads back up right where you were and says defend hill for 20 minutes right. until until reinforces arrive or reinforcements arrive um you know, but I mean, as far it was a standard RTS campaign, like really, really scripted, you know, little little twists in the middle of the level that you knew were going to happen. Right. It was all pretty pretty standard. But you know, I love the game, so that's cool. Good. I'll still play those. Uh, and and do you plan on trying to track down uh, that coward Frank Austin for a match at some point? Because I understand he he stood you up. He he chickened uh, out, didn't he? I don't know that that's how I would uh, <laughs> I would describe what happened. So just he, uh, just to be fair, you you planned to play with Frank Austin. He was going to join you guys. Something came up for him. Uh, will there be? Although you guys are probably going to do like a little sissy comp stomp, aren't you? Um, I don't know. I, I haven't ever played an RTS with him before. Like we, what we initially met in Lotro, and. Uh, played Lotro together for like 20 or 24 hours or something like that. And then, uh, we played battlefield bad company two together quite a bit. Uh, I've never played an RTS with them though. All right. Uh, I think, I, I don't know if it's Frank or there's someone I'm thinking of on the forum who I will never again play company of heroes with because I had a game. It was one of those games where a sniper early on shut me down completely. And I, hadn't really mastered how to use the snipers so <laughs> afterwards i was like well f this game i don't want to play it ever again uh, yeah <laughs> i took my ball and went home yeah uh, there there's some people on there that are really really good when the, when the game first came out i played a lot with um with lum and oh i can uh, imagine he would be really well i don't know maybe maybe he's like a turn-based dude was he good um yeah i mean he you know he he wasn't a superstar but like he you know, he was fine. Okay. He was, he was fine. I played a fair amount with him and a fair amount with Alan Awe. Yep. Awe? Sure. Alan sure. Awe, yes. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, some other people. 
I don't know. Um, now, do you know? Is there? It's got to. I would John, think Jonathan Crane played some. I know. Okay. And, mm-hmm. uh, if I want to say Espresso Jim, maybe. By the way, Mysterio. I think it's Jonathan. I think it's Jonathan Crane who did his sniper stuff. I'm not mistaken. <laughs> yeah. That's the guy I'm never playing with again. I don't. I don't know for sure, but that rings a bell. I think. Yeah. It's that oh, guy. and Jason Lutz played too. Jason mm-hmm. Lutz played too. Uh, now, do you know? Like, did you check to see if there's much of an active multiplayer community? Is that still going? When we got on last night, there were yeah, there were like a hundred games just like open waiting for people. Good for them. Good for them. Although the thing is, you know, the kind of people who are playing still are probably way too good for mere, mere mortals like us to, to hop in there. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's kind of the thing. Like I, I don't know. It's I, I don't I don't enjoy. I feel really pressured in like the one-on-one kind of games. Uh, I don't know. It's I, I can enjoy that a little bit, but mostly I, I want a little more relaxed and experienced than that. But I do want to mention, actually, I didn't think about this when you were asking me before, but a long time ago, like maybe two years ago, I created a Steam group called the... Um, where'd it go? <laughs> the uh it's quarter to three rts uh qt3 rts semi-geriatric rts league <laughs> hey that's uh, all three of those things describe me <laughs> right, right and so there are 30 people in it right now uh but nobody ever does anything with that so if anybody wants to play some rts games specifically company of heroes or something else join the league there are enough people in it you can create some events or something. I think people would, uh, you so know, there, there, are enough, there are enough people that like these games that I think we could get something going. And it's literally called Q, QT3 RTS Semi-Geriatric League. Is that how folks would find it? Um, if you search for QT3 RTS, okay, that's good. probably the way to do it. Am I in there? Do you know? I'm probably not because I don't understand I don't, how Steam groups work, but I will. Yeah, I will. honestly, I don't, I don't know what your little thing is. I've got a... My little thing should be Tom Chick, that, that I think. Okay, because there, there's one that has a picture of a cat. That's me, yeah. That is you, okay. Um, yeah, no, you're, you're not in the... No, I mean, that's that's just one I've seen. It doesn't look like you're in the semi-geriatric RTS. League. Okay, well, I'll try to fix that, because I, uh, I I would love to play RTS. That's the thing, is I'm... I, you know, you talked before about playing, not being really good at, at many games, Uh I, I play a lot of RTSs, and there are almost none that I'm really good at, and that's okay. Uh, so I'm all for playing with semi-geriatric people. Yeah, um, but you have uh, you have a lot of sort of RTS mystique on the board. So I think if you were in there playing whatever crazy RTS you're interested in at any given moment, I think you'll probably, see probably would be some people to join up. All right. Well, I'll, I'll unfortunately. Well, I say unfortunately. I say unfortunately because there's not really any meaningful multiplayer in it. But I'm going to be doing a lot of Shogun Two in, in the coming days. So that's where so, I'll be. Yeah. You know, I, I want to mention one more thing uh-huh. about Company of Heroes. Have you played um, Man of War? You know what? I haven't. But you are the, I guess, third person in maybe a couple of weeks to bring that up to me. Well, there was a new there was a new thing that came out. Right, right, yeah. And I, I had never heard of the game, and then I read about it a little on on uh, on Rock Paper Shotgun, and it sounds like like Company of Heroes, you know, <laughs> not exactly Company of Heroes on steroids, like Company of Heroes on steroids in a certain way, but like Polish steroids, you know, like it's <laughs> a really sort of European souped up version of. Uh, of company of heroes based on that sounds a little scary when you you put it that way it sounds a little daunting 
Yeah, like it's 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 weird. It's it's much larger scale. Like there are apparently are like hundreds and hundreds of units in the levels at any given time, and you only control part of them. And uh, you can directly take control of units and target exactly what they're going to shoot at and control that kind of thing. And there, every every unit has an inventory. So, like, if you kill somebody, you, like, walk up and click on them and then, like, take the ammo and the, their helmet that they're carrying and put it on <laughs> whatever specific unit you're controlling at the time. But it's a real-time strategy game. Like, it sounds insane. Um, you know what? I remember. So, uh, so Scott Kevill, I keep calling him Kevin, uh, the fellow who runs Game Rangers, was telling me about it at GDC, and that's the way he sold it. He said something about you can the take— The big thing is you take their hats. Yeah, you take a dude's hat and put it on <laughs> And that, that makes me think of, like, what is it, Streets of Rage? Or, or couldn't you, like, punch hats off people or something in that game? That just sounds... Rage. I don't know if... I don't know, John, if that sounds awesome or terrible. Yeah, like, I, I downloaded the demo, and uh, it seems like the kind of thing that you really need to have have a cheerleader for it. You know? Like, if if there were somebody sitting there with you explaining why it's, why it's uh, awesome, right. while you're playing, it would really, really help. <laughs> it just seemed kind of daunting and, and weird. So you I, was didn't hope, very... I was hoping you'd played so you could you could. Tell oh me. no, yeah, I'm afraid I cannot cheerlead for it yet. But but so you just tried the demo and and just sort of messed around with it, like you didn't dive very deeply into it. Yeah, no, no, no. I played I played like one mission, and it took a really long time because I had it turned really slow. Oh, I like the sound right, of adjustable I speed. Because I didn't by the know way. what was going on. Yeah, no, I love the sound of adjustable speed because Relic doesn't apparently believe in that. So that right there, big plus one. Yeah. Anyway, it it might be interesting. Maybe okay. somebody will want to talk about it. Right. Good to know. Well, uh, John, I have appreciated talking to you today. Uh, by the way, wh- uh, what does uh, Crenshaw think of Company of Heroes? What's her favorite faction? I think she goes Wehrmacht most of the time. <laughs> that seems like the most fun to say. Uh, and also, finally, before we go, what are your two cats' names? Uh, well, they were um, they were a birthday present for crenshaw so she got to name them <laughs> even better I'm, I'm already liking the direction this is going go ahead yeah so they are named tiger okay. and fuzzy <laughs> awesome tiger and fuzzy the cats uh have you ever in like an mmo used those names for like your pets i don't play pet classes why not what's wrong with that those are the worst you know, I kind of I can understand you saying that. Like, <laughs> pet classes are for noobs, aren't they? I don't, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Like I don't I don't I don't play I don't play MMOs really in general. Like I remember when we did play Guild Wars that you were uh, you were uh, yeah, an undead raising necromancer, yeah, a, so you had that army of zombies following you around all the time. I do fall back on pet classes a lot. Well, <laughs> when you start playing Rift, uh, you can summon a a big old like razorback pig thing, and later a cat and. And you can name them. Yeah, it's it's, it's awful. Like I the I I've, because the like the class system in Rift is what what seemed appealing about it. Like it's, it's very Guild Wars. You know, it's, it's pretty very very Guild Wars. Yeah, it's pretty Guild Wars and kind of you know open and interesting choices or whatever. Uh, and I I actually accidentally convinced Frank to buy the game. Frank also. Austin. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I mentioned he already uninstalled it, so don't get, don't get your hopes. What? Oh, Frank. <laughs> All right. Well, he's actually he, on he the got, podcast. He got me to play Mag, which I never played, so ah, okay. we're, we're even now. 
Well, I, I'll have words with Frank about this because he's on the podcast, not the next one, but the one after. So he, he'll be hearing from me about that. Can we yeah. uninstall Drift? All right. Well, Frank's in hot water. <laughs> there will be more about this. Uh, well, well, John, I really appreciate hanging out with you today. Uh, enjoy your uh, your week at uh, South by Southwest down there. Yeah, uh, we'll see. And uh, I will maybe be seeing you around in the uh, QT3 RTS semi-geriatric league. By all means. So, All right, take care, John, and I'll uh, talk to you later on the forum. All right.